I want to tell you a story that happened um, in 2012, and uh, this was, uh, you know, for my, my family and I, um, Maria and my kids. Uh, this was something that we had never done before, and this was in 2012, and so, of course, we're all a little bit younger than we are now. Uh, we went whitewater rafting in Colorado. Now, you have to throw in the whole idea, the name Colorado, because it just sounds more extreme and more legit, because if you were like, we went whitewater rafting in Ontario, who cares, you know, um, because you must have just kind of rowed down the boat, sang a song together, but we went whitewater rafting in Colorado. There you go. Aren't you all impressed now? You're like, wow, they're like extreme sports family, you know? I, I can see it in your faces immediately. And I've got to set this up for you because if you've never gone before, uh, I'm going to educate you, and so you owe me money at the end of this because you're getting something for free here. But, um, you know, here's, here's the setup that you need to be aware of. The very first thing that they do when you go whitewater rafting is they tell you how much fun you're going to have. They just over and over, like everything, every single picture of somebody whitewater rafting is of them having fun. They do not take pictures of when you are terrified. And they do not ever print those pictures and put them on the front, you know, door when you walk in. Like, oh, hmm, you know, um, they, it's just all fun. Every, it looks like a bunch of actors, you know, maybe green screen and they're just faking it. But, you know, everybody's having a blast. The second thing that they do, and this is important, is they take your money. They, 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 they tell you how much fun you're going to have, and then they take your money. And then the third thing they do is scare you to death. All right? But that, you need to understand, is done on the bus as you are already miles from where you got, you know, you gave them their money. And so now there's no way for you to return, and so you're sort of stuck doing this thing. But I'm telling you, they scare you literally to death. The whole entire time that you are driving to the drop-off zone, all they do is tell you about the many ways you can die. I'm not kidding. Like, there are hundreds of ways to die when you go whitewater rafting. But, of course, none of this will be their fault because you've signed a waiver removing them of all responsibility. You know, and so, you know, you're going to die, but it's not our fault because you signed this people, uh, this piece of paper. Now, one of the many ways that you can die. Anybody, number one way of dying, anybody want to guess? Drowning. Who would have thought? You know, apparently when you go whitewater rafting, you can drown. Now, there are many, many other ways that you can die, but drowning was obviously the number one on the list, and they mentioned it over and over. And so along with this idea that you could drown, here was a rule that they emphasized again and again and again. No matter what, if you end up in the water, do not put your feet down. Do not put your feet down. The guy, the guy just stated this over and over because apparently if you are to put your feet down, even though the water may only be this big, uh, this deep, or, you know, whatever, if you get your foot stuck, then you lose your balance and you could fall down and now you'll have the water rushing over you and they said there is no way that you will be able to stand up even in about a foot or so of water. The pressure is so, the current is so strong that you could drown in only a foot or two of water. Now, I got to tell you, the first thing that crossed my mind was, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Now, I think I noticed that my, my wife, Maria, must have noticed this thought because she gave me that look. You know, men, you all know this look like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Like, 
Now, you need to thank people like me. And just, I just, you know, man, I'm giving you a lot of freebies this morning. You need to thank people like me because it's people like me that made it into textbooks and safety guides, you know? We're the ones that are like, now, because that guy didn't listen and he did this and this and this, here's what happened to him. So you're welcome. You know, I just need you to know that. But you need to also understand this about me. I come a family of mostly boys. And, and, and because of that, much of what we did was... Well, we got to test the limits. We got to try this. For example, when we had a, we got a dirt bike, I think I can honestly say we spent about five minutes learning to ride this thing, and then we spent about 30 minutes building a ramp, and then we, my, you know, older sibling, I won't use his name, but my older sibling, he ramped it like once or twice, and he's like, hey, check that out. I didn't wipe out. And we're like, we're impressed. And then he says, you know, the next thing to do now is obviously to make this a little bit more challenging. I'm going to need you to all lie down so I can ramp over you. <laughs> I don't know what was going to be worse, having the dirt bike land on me or getting pulverized by him. So we all lay down, you know, and of course, we carefully did the measurement because safety is important, you know. So we looked and there's the ramp and we could see the dirt bike tires made a mark here. So clearly this is where the bike is landing. So... We should probably have the first person lie here, you know? And, and so we did, and of course, he did the jumping, never did he lie down on the thing, but that is the safety, um, you know, approach that, that we had. And so here we are, you know, heading down this river now, back to whitewater rafting. And man, it was fun. Our kids were a lot younger, and so it was a really fun, great experience, but all the while, <laughs> All the while, in the back of my head, I'm like, I got to test this. I got to test this somehow because I just don't know if this guy who does this for a living is really, you know, does he really know? And so while we had, you know, while we finally had our opportunity to, you know, to get in the water, um, you know, because the water was deeper at this place where we stopped and we were tired. And so they're like, we're going to stop here for a while and you can get out and you can swim. And so this was my, my moment. And they said, you know, the water's not flowing nearly as fast here. It's a lot deeper. It's a sand bottom. So feel free to go for a swim. And so I'm like, I'm doing this. i got to test this river out to see, you know, how hard it is. So I jumped in the water, and I'm kind of behind these rocks, and, and I'm looking over, and just on the other side, you know, near where the back of the gym is here, there's these people, and they're just fighting all they can, trying to go upstream, and I'm looking at them going, oh, what wimps, what wimps, you know, like, good grief, this thing is barely moving, and they're just fighting away, and I'm, you know, I just thought to myself, you know, this is, I will show them. I'm going to show them how it's done. And so I jumped in. And immediately, immediately I knew that I had miscalculated the power of this current, this river. I jumped in, and it didn't take me very long to get across to the other side. You know, I'm not a great swimmer, but it just wasn't that far. And so I swam to the other side of this river pretty quick. And I think I got some, you know, uh, images of me afloat. And I think you already saw them. But, you know, there was, this, there was this chance to just kind of go. And I swam across. But I was shocked when I got to the other side at just how far downstream this current had taken me. And so now I'm the one fighting against the current, trying to get, you know, I'm the wimp now, you know, trying to make my way up the river so that I can get back to where I'm supposed to be. Now, I was shocked at two things. One, the current, how powerful it was. The other thing that shocked me was how when you were literally behind a rock, like even just a small rock, and as soon as you were not in that current, how much less 
um, the pressure was, how much less force it had. And so this was just such an amazing wake up for me because I, you know, I just assumed because when you're looking at this river, it says it's really not flowing that hard. It's really not that dangerous. And yet at the same time, once I actually got into it, man, this thing was far, far more dangerous and, and stronger than I thought. I think if I think about life, I think life can be a little bit like that river. I think life can be a little bit like, like that in many ways when we look at it, when we see, you know, this river and we look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I can see that there's, you know, there's a current, there's this, this and this going on. But I think very often in life, we sort of look at it the same way and we see other people going through life. We see other people making decisions. We see other people, you know, make changes or whatever. And we underestimate, we underestimate the impact or the influences, or the power of circumstances, or the, or the situations that happen to us, we underestimate the power of the direction that they will have. Whether good or bad, we decide, for example, to get married. And we're like, man, this is so exciting. You've seen other people get married, and, and it looks so easy. And now you did it, and you're like, oh, man, there is a lot more to this than I thought. You change jobs, and, and again, you know, you've been wanting this, and you change job, and suddenly you're, you, you, you notice this is significantly more difficult, or you have kids, and, and it's like, wow, we, you know, you've heard and you've seen other people having kids, and now suddenly you're in the mix of it, or you, you, know, you, you get a mortgage, and you, you know people get mortgages, and now suddenly it's like, oh, you got to make these payments constantly, and it's sort of weighing on you. You start a school, or, or you, you know, you're moving out on your own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things in our lives that we adjust to, and sometimes in those moments, it's like, this is taking more of a toll on me than I'd expected. This is more difficult than I thought it would be. And I think all of us, maybe at some times in our lives, we may literally feel like we're being swept away. You know, you, you, you've heard about people getting older, about people being seniors, but now you're the senior. And you love the discount coffee and all, but suddenly all these little things that come with being a senior, it's like, hmm, I didn't know it was like this. And the list, like, like I said, the list could go on. And sudden, suddenly you find yourself, these circumstances in life, these situations in life, if you're honest this morning, you might say, I feel like I'm being swept away. I feel like it's out of control. I'm panicking because I did not think it would pull me this far downstream. And you're catching yourself this morning. You found your footing and you're trying to make it upstream. You're trying to get your life back under control. So what I want to do this Sunday and next Sunday is just sort of this short two-part series on what I'm calling the state I'm in. And the, and, the, and the question really is, or the question that we could go with this is, how are you doing? How are you this morning? You know, what is the state that you find yourself in? And what I want to do today is I want to wrestle through this by looking at what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Because we can focus on this, you know, in the area of physical health. You know, what is the state of your physical health? What is the state of your emotional health? How are you doing with mental illness and, and whatever struggles you may have in that, whatever journey you may be on in those areas? We can look at this in many ways, but I think that at the undercurrent of much of this is going to be this question of, so how's your heart? How are you doing in your heart? Because the, the heart is what motivates us. The heart is what guides us. And so regardless of what our experiences are, the condition of your heart is going to play a major role in how you respond to the circumstances, to the events, to the situations 
excuse me, that you find yourself in. Your heart needs to be healthy because if your heart is not healthy, if you're like me, everything feels off. I know for myself that when my heart is not right, I feel easily discouraged, I feel dejected, I feel agitated, I feel distracted, and the list could go on and on and on. Psalm 139 verse 23 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. There's something about allowing God to search our hearts, to say, God, how am I doing? What's the state that I'm in? So here's the thing. Physically, your heart may be fine. You may be in great physical shape. But maybe your heart, emotionally, maybe you are not doing that well in those other areas of your lives. Years ago, a woman by the name of Megan Hutchinson wrote a curriculum called Life Hurts, God Heals. And I'm going to glean from that this morning because this is a wonderful curriculum. And one of the chapters that she wrote about was, or wrote on was this whole thought of the condition of your heart. And she created this test that you can go through to kind of say, now, which of these, how is my heart? And so what I want to do this morning is just ask us these questions about our hearts and see how would you answer. So number one. Is your heart healthy or is your heart hurting? Is your heart healthy or hurting? How would you answer? This morning, just if you were to be brutally on, honest with yourself or, or maybe later on as you write these down or as you, you know, go back in the YouVersion app and just look at this and say, at, with somebody that you love and with someone that you trust, how would you evaluate your heart? What would, how would you answer this question? A healthy heart feels strong and vigorous. One that is up to the challenge that is before us. It's, it's optimistic. It's positive. A hurting heart is filled with aches and stings. You may feel easily rejected or discouraged. Even the slightest thing in your life can cause you pain. And you're, re, you know, you're aware of the fact that when you're experiencing that pain, that maybe, maybe this shouldn't be bothering me that much. Maybe it's because you have a hurting heart. And the reason that you're experiencing some of this pain in a more dramatic way or more, you know, um, greater way than you feel you should be is because it's not because the situation itself is so negative. Maybe it's the fact that your heart is not as healthy as it needs to, as it needs to be. You might be able to hide your heart condition from others, but here's the beautiful thing. So we cannot hide our heart from God. Now, this is a beautiful thing because it's ultimately God who heals our hearts. For those of you that are in relationships and you sort of, you go into a relationship hoping that now I have this person in my life and they're going to help me have a, a healthy heart. They're, you know, now I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or I have some significant other in my life. Now I have somebody and you're leaning on them to make your heart healthy. You are in for disappointment. Because that individual also at times have a hurting heart. And when their heart is hurting, they will hurt your heart. And so this is one of the reasons it's so beautiful that we can turn to God who first and foremost has searched our heart, knows our heart, understands our heart, and who is the only one who can truly, truly bring healing to our heart. If you would say this morning that your heart is hurting, I would encourage you to be honest with God. Ask him, beg him, search me. Search me, God. Know my heart. Would you reveal to me all that is going on so that I can experience the freedom and the love that you have? Number two, is your heart eager or exhausted? Is your heart eager or is it exhausted? Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take 
or sits in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the name of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever, whatever they do, whatever they do prospers. That individual that David is describing here is someone who is eager, eager to pursue because they have a solid foundation. They're confident in what they are. So is your heart eager, ready for a new challenge, rested and filled with expectation, or is it exhausted? Are you here this morning saying, give me something new to do, give me some new challenges, or are you here this morning saying, if I could just shut everything off, I would just love to shut everything. I don't want to make lunches tomorrow. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think about how we're going to make our payments. I don't even want to think about putting the kids to bed tonight. I don't even know where our relationship is at, and I don't have the energy to even find that out. I'd love to talk to my spouse, but what if they tell me something I don't want? I just would like to shut everything off. Is your heart eager, or is it hurting? Or I mean, sorry, is your heart eager, or is it exhausted? Because if you have an exhausted heart, you will find yourself even being tired of spending time with God. You know, there are, there are you know, we are, you know, at, at times in our lives where we may not want to spend time with God, but if this is an ongoing thing, you know, are you no longer interested in showing love to others? Are you no longer interested in even spending time with God? And, and sometimes we have moments like this, but if this is a consistent you know, um, you know, time in our lives where we're avoiding interaction with people, we're avoiding time with God, it's possible that our heart is exhausted and we need rest. Maybe you've filled your life trying to please people by doing what others want you to do. And you're, you've tried doing everything for everyone and you've wanted to make everyone happy, but, but what you've experienced instead of gratitude is you've experienced disappointment and pain and you feel drained this morning. You just have nothing left to give to people. If you find yourself exhausted today, you will need to discipline yourself to make time to spend alone, to make time to spend with God and ask Him to reveal why your heart is exhausted. Because rarely, and I want to be careful that I don't overstate this, rarely is our heart exhausted because we're doing too much. It is almost always exhausted because we're doing too much in the wrong place. There are things you love to do. Some of you love to exercise, <laughs> not me. I just don't. Some of you love this and this and this. And so in those areas, you, you could be busy with that all day. And yeah, ultimately that would wear on you. But it may be this morning that you need to ask God, reveal to me where am I spending time that is not healthy for me. So if you find yourself exhausted today, would you ask God to reveal to you why you are exhausted? If you're not a Christian, and maybe you're here today going, okay, I don't know about this praying thing. Here's what I would encourage you to do if you're not a Christian. Just taking some time, talking to someone you're comfortable with, and just reflecting even on your own and saying, where am I spending most of my energy? Where am I spending the energy in my life? Why am I not able to find the rest that I need? There's a beautiful verse for all of us um, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's something important about us making that time to sit silently with God and allow the rest that Jesus gives to fill us. Number th um, next one is, is your heart loving or angry? 
Is your heart loving or angry? If you aren't sure, then just do this for a second. Just think back to this week. The words you used. Your body language. What was the tone? What was your intent? Would you say that there is an indicator of a condition, uh, you know, that there's an indicator of, of the condition of your heart in the way that you responded to people and the way that you interacted with people this week? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 35. He says, A good man brings good things out of, good stored, out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. That might be a bit strong, a bit harsh. But I think the reality is that what we have going on inside of us will eventually surface. We see this very often in, in you know, the poor um, people that are in media, politicians and movie stars. You know, they, they appear to have it all together. And then all of a sudden you find out here's an individual who is actually deeply broken. So you may again be living this life where everything appears so fine. But Jesus warns us and says... If we're not loving, if we're angry, ultimately this is going to come out of us. So this week, I would encourage you to, would you take some time and just test yourself and look at your life and how you are responding to people. Are you loving? Is your heart loving or is your heart angry? This is important for us to examine our hearts because no matter how much we may focus to keep all of this inward, ultimately this will show itself and we will find ourselves maybe going, I have no idea where that came from. And often it comes from the fact that we did not take proper time to understand our heart. The next one is this. Is your heart refreshed or resentful? When you evaluate your heart, is there something from your past that still bugs you? Is there something that keeps you up at night? Keeps you from enjoying your family or your friends? That stands in the way of you developing a deeper relationship with others or with God? We're in church, so let's just be honest for a moment about church. Your resentment may be towards God. Your resentment may be towards the church. Maybe the church has hurt you. Maybe the church has failed you. Maybe the church has lied or misled you. And, and your resentment today, even though you're here because this is something you're just not willing to give up, but if you're honest this morning, there's a, maybe a sense of resentment saying, you know, I just don't understand some of the things that happened in my life. So maybe your resentment, you feel resentment towards God and, and towards faith. So we're not here to evaluate whether you should or shouldn't feel this way. We're here to examine the condition of our hearts. And if our hearts are not refreshed, if our hearts are resentful, it is only fair that we carefully examine even those sensitive areas of our lives and say, what is causing this resentment? For health to emerge, you will need to be refreshed. Growing Christians can find refreshment from God's word by spending time with him. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now here's something I want you to consider carefully. Sometimes God doesn't match our desires. Sometimes God doesn't match our desires. Sometimes the things that you desire, sometimes the things that you pray for, sometimes the things that you hope for, whether it's healing or whether it's, you know, an individual or whatever the situation, situation may be, I think it's important for us to understand that God's answers don't always match our desires. 
This is important to know because maybe this is where some of your resentment towards God comes from. You're still trying to understand, why did God not answer my prayer? Why would God not have answered my prayer? You had a desire. You had a prayer. You had a longing. And you brought it to God. And God's answer did not match that. So I'm not here to judge. No one's here to judge. Because I think if we're all honest, there are moments in our lives where we look at this and say, God, this does not make sense to me. And if we do not process that, if we do not find healing for that, ultimately what sets in is resentment. So look at what Paul says in the next verse. He says, verse 7, he says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Now, you might be saying, okay, so I'm hurt by God, so I need to turn to God. But here's what we believe as, uh, as Christians. That we may not always understand the ways of God or the will of God. So even in those moments when we don't understand, we need to place our faith in God whose understanding is beyond our capability. So if you're here today and there's, there's some tension maybe that you feel because your desires don't match up with the answers that God gave, I would encourage you to ask God, what am I not seeing? What was your purpose here that I have not been able to see? Help me understand what it is that you want to accomplish. And then lastly, is your heart tender or tense? Is your heart tender or tense? Ask yourself this. How do you feel about other people? Do you care what happens to them? Are you willing to help others out? Are you focused more on the needs, on your own needs, than on the needs of others? How you answer these questions is going to be an indicator of whether your heart is tender or tense. If your heart is tense, it can be an indicator of us needing to have control or doing things our way. It's also an indicator maybe of a lack of faith in God. When we are tense, we feel that we need to make all the decisions, that everything depends on us, that we need to gain control. And the only way that we can have peace about things in our lives is if we can control everything in our lives then all of a sudden some of the tension is gone. Psalm chapter 46 verse 10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will exalt, be exalted in the earth. Again, that sounds maybe like a church blanket answer, but listen carefully. When is the last time that you were willing to just be still? In the midst of whatever was going on in your, in your life, to allow your heart to become tender again, to allow your heart to lose some of the tension, to just be still, to just breathe that in for a second and just allow this tension to rest on God, to just say, God, I give it all to you. I'm just going to be still in your presence, knowing and understanding that you are in control even when I feel there is no control. So just stop there for a moment. To be still and just trust to allow that anxiousness, that anxiety, that worry to just be handed off to your God. When we are still, only then will we, 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 will we be able to know who God truly is. When we're wrestling and trying to sort everything out on our own, we don't have time to even consider and to see and to recognize 
what God could do in that moment. Because in those moments, if you're like me, all you're doing is going and going and going. i got to fix this. i got to get control again. And trust me, I am speaking to you about this from a very personal place. Where I do not like the fact that there are areas of my life that I struggle to understand about myself. I struggle to be able to control. And so what I do is I want to control more. But the more I try to control it, the more I try to understand it, the less control I often feel I have. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. What a powerful thing for us to do. A couple of weeks um, weeks ago... Um, I go to counseling, uh, something I'm um, excited to be able to do because it's helped me so much. And a couple of weeks ago, my counselor told me that it's okay to serve out of brokenness. Now, I have to say, when I heard her say that, um, the very first thing that popped in my head was, I have told people this many times. I have told people this many times. It's okay to serve broken. It's okay to not always have it all together. But it was weird. It was weird to hear someone say it to me. And my first thought was, no, that's not possible for me. I need to have it all together. And there's this pressure that you feel with that. You may feel that. I feel it that way because maybe being a pastor. You may feel that because you're a parent. You may feel that because you're the the boss. You may feel that because you're an influencer in some circle. And so you have this pressure on you that says, I have to be okay. Allow yourself for a moment just to release that tension. And allow your heart to be tender in the sense of saying, no, God is the only one who has to be okay. And he is okay. I can be broken, but he can still use me. And so I'm going to be tender. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be compassionate. It's hard for us to admit our brokenness. But the reality is that many of us here today would have to admit that our hearts are hurting, our hearts are exhausted, our hearts are angry, resentful, or our hearts are tense. But we show up, and we hide it. We disguise it. We hide it from our friends. We hide it from our families. And even in that exercise itself, it is exhausting. What if you could have a healthy, eager, loving, refreshed, or tender heart? Not that everything in your life would be okay, but... But you would approach life with that as the basis. The difficulties in your life would be approached with a heart that is healthy, a heart that is still eager, a heart that is still loving and refreshed and and tender. And suddenly you would move through life with those things in mind. Much of this is going to require you trusting in God to do a work in you that you cannot do on your own. You trusting in God to say, okay, I'm this broken individual that needs healing. And so I've examined my heart, and my heart is not what I want it to be. So God, I surrender it completely and totally to you. So what is the state of your heart? What is the state that you are in right now? You might say that I struggle with this or this. But I would argue that probably at the basis of all of the struggles that you have is the condition of your heart. So how's your heart? How's your heart? When is the last time that you allowed God to search you, to know you? So I want to just close by suggesting this. If at the end of this you're like, man, here's the condition of my heart, I don't really like it. Here's the condition of my heart, and I don't really know what to do with it. 
I've admitted to you that I go for counseling. We, we, at our, we find ourselves at times in our lives where we have to go get help from someone outside of ourselves and allow other people to speak into your life. And so if you find yourself at the end of this going, man, I'm not impressed with what I see. My heart does not sound the way I want it to be. I want to make some of these changes. I would encourage you to seek the help that you need, to allow other people in, and to allow them to help you understand yourself, and then also to give you the tools that you need to move towards health. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you for this morning, and I thank you, God, that that in every situation we can turn to you and we can trust in you. So Lord, at this moment, I just want to pray that you would reveal yourself to each one of us, that you would show us what you see. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into those times of maybe wrestling with the condition of our hearts, that you would first and foremost reveal to us how much you love us and the plan that you have for us. And I pray, God, that in all of that, that we would be brave, that we would be honest, and that we would go and get the help that we need. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day.